0: But I think teachers need to accept and encourage that there are multiple ways that we can learn and move away from them being the holder of the knowledge um, involving the students and creating the learning tasks, the learning intentions, the assessment activities. And, and for me, just get rid of Level 1 NCA.
1: listening to the nzpe teacher cast a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing teachers and educators within new zealand and around the world Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone, welcome to episode 26 of the NZPE Teacher Cast. Um, this one is coming. Live from Dubai, and we're interviewing an expat, former teacher from New Zealand. He's now over in Dubai teaching, um, and so we're going to hear a little bit about his experiences, which is really cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to um, delving into what it's like moving from somewhere like New Zealand to teach in, in such a, um, an environment that contrasts our country so much. So. Um, Today we're hearing from a teacher named Greg Thurlow. So Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your New Zealand based teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about the schools and
0: the students you taught in New Zealand? Um, So I got into my teaching a little bit later um, after doing some travelling away and I did my diploma in 2009. And I got a job in Papatoetoe High School, which is in uh, Manukau, in South Auckland. Um, I think uh, having that that foundation as a PRT in in, in Papatoetoe was was the best I could have hoped for with the, some of the students that I, I got to teach. Um, I was there for six years, and it's a, quite a multicultural school. With uh, maybe 40% of students who would, English would not be their first language. So it sort of set me up quite well for, for coming over here. Also gave me, um, with that multicultural side to experience things like Ramadan, uh, Diwali festivals, polyfest Fest, so it gave me an insight to, to some of the, the vast cultures that we do now have in New Zealand. I was also lucky at Toto High School to to work with some really uh, dedicated visitas in uh, in those first few years, which uh, are still Pretty close professional friends with me, so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Um, I taught a range of classes from year nine to thirteen. Um, I enjoyed the the senior classes more so, and, and that sort of social cultural discussion and debates that we that would have with those uh, students.
1: I love that. I love the being able to. I don't, that's why I don't know how primary school teachers do it, and I'm sure you're going to tell us about this. But being able to have a a real conversation with a student, it just it makes your life your teaching job so much easier as opposed to you know you're working with a fresh year nine student come in you try to have a bit of banter and you just get nothing
0: back what Decile was Toto? Uh, Decile three mm-hmm. so um, we I believe we punched above our weight with Decile rating. I guess um, we had a bit of a long tail we had some quite academic students but we also had some students that were not quite as academic focused mm-hmm. so Mm. And that was the only school you taught at before Yeah, so, so six years. Um, mm. The last year and a half, we were starting to look international, so I didn't want to, to change roles in that time. Yeah. So the second chapter of your career now has you teaching
1: internationally in the United Arab Emirates. How how did this come about? And
0: then can you describe the school you're at and the types of students you teach? Um, so I, I'm lucky to have a teaching wife who's, definitely helped create me into the teacher I am today and um, we both lived abroad in our previous lives and it was something that we had talked about maybe doing again so um, I have a brother in Hong Kong and he sort of set up a friend, a conversation at Mount Mongano Beach from a, a colleague of his in Hong Kong, spoke a little bit about the uh, advantages of teaching abroad. Um, after this, my wife then touched base with one of her best friends that are teaching in Saudi. And then um, from here, we got engaged. Oh, you <laughs> have to, get it. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we attended a seminar, a recruitment seminar about it. And then, and then we joined the agency. So this all happened sort of January to August. And in the following January, we attended a job fair in Melbourne where we got offered four four jobs and we thought for the best one was to come to the UAE and bring our family and start our international Mm. career so yeah three weeks after that we got married and then (laughs) six months later we uh, jumped on a plane and and this is where we are now and in the UAE so so what about your school what's your school like and and your students so um, I've gone from a secondary sort of training and teaching experiences to to a primary role. We have uh, 1200 kids at our school and just the primary school and we follow the IB curriculum with the PYP sort of framework. Um, a little bit about our school, we have 60% Emirati and then another 25% Gulf region students so that gives us an 85% Arabic speaking first language learners. So. That is at times challenging, however, maybe having some of that foundation from Papata with second language yeah, learning has definitely. definitely been a, a help for me. Um, the instruction of the school is in English in a department of seven in the P department. Um, and are you, you HOD? Yes, yeah, yes. That must have been really hard coming into it. You hadn't experienced IB before that? No, so not only I guess was it a new curriculum and a, all the other elements of changing countries and learning new culture, or was um, yeah the person in charge. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a good first year for me, and yeah, I've learnt a lot.
1: How how did you manage this climate? Like, so coming from Wellington, where it is much cooler, and Wundia, Um I just couldn't imagine. You, know, you walk outside and you just get hit with it. Like, I walked, um, I was taking some video earlier and I walked across the 400 meter track outside. And by the time I got back, I was absolutely drenched. So, how have you and your family managed with the weather, by the way? How do you manage? How do you cope?
0: So, we, we arrived in August, which was leaving a New Zealand winter to arrive into 44 degrees. <laughs> um, I won't forget walking out of Dubai Airport to our, our waiting minivan and we just were ready to turn around and walk back into the airport. <laughs> our, our little three year old at the time was really losing it as you can imagine after a yep. long haul flight. Um, it hits you, just, it hits just it. It hits you. Like the way that I describe it is that when you open the oven door and that heat wave comes yeah. out, that's what it is but it doesn't go away, mm. it, it's, it's consistent. Um, So basically four months of the year you don't really go outside. Uh, I guess you could compare that at times to some of the weather back home where at least you can dress for it and you can go outside you might get wet but here you just can't sustain to be in that heat to function you know. Um, At school it's rained a few times believe it or not and the local kids it's just insane it would be like if it snowed in Whangarei or something like yeah. that so it's really interesting experience and <laughs> it's happened once or twice and it's, it's amazing to watch they all start singing and dancing and it's sort of really cool I was I was packing to come and I said to my wife I said
1: yeah do I need to take a like a jacket some jacket and she just looked at me and said you idiot we're going to the desert you do not need a
0: jacket yeah I think it, it's been more difficult for our children to adjust. Um, like it's just the Kiwi kids, they like the outside environment and you just can't do that. So our, our winters go down to maybe about 18 degrees, um, which for my for my nice. sons, they actually wear a hoodie at that time. So it's cold. You It's weird, you kind of adjust a little bit. In the summer, if we go to some of the hotels, they refrigerate the pools so it might be 42 degrees outside but the water temperature is 28 and then believe it or not when it gets down to 25 degrees they heat the pools to about 30 <laughs> in what they call winter it's, it's it's so hard to explain but um it, it's how it is and believe it or not we're around some mountains and in february this year it, 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 they got a bit of snow so wow. So not only not only have you changed
1: countries, you've you've alluded to having changed the level of students that you're teaching at. So with this in mind, what have been the biggest adjustments that you've had to make from shifting from New Zealand
0: to the UAE? Yeah, I, it's been so many changes and I try not to think about those changes before leaving because it potentially could have put me in a in a, a negative maybe mindset. So In saying that, I definitely underestimated the amount of changes, like for me, changing secondary to primary, a new curriculum, um, what comes with living in a new society and a culture was massive. Uh, It was sort of like two steps forward and four steps back was a lot of the time. Uh, Our school was going through a lot of change with management also, so that that impacted a little bit of that. I guess one of the main things that i found difficult is what we would consider common sense in New Zealand uh, at school or just in society. A lot of the times that, is, that is not is non-existent here. So, Can you give me an example? So, for example, uh, to go into the bank, you don't just queue up to go and see the teller. You've got to get a little ticket. You've got to wait in line. Um, your number might not get called in that particular order. It's just it's not a five-minute job going into the bank. It, it's, it's a 40-minute job. Wow. Um, I, I went back to get a new bank card. When I went back home to New Zealand, it took like two minutes in the our in summer break. And I was just... Yeah, so in saying that, we've chosen to live in this country. So although we may not always agree with some of the things, we accept it. We don't have road signs here. I
1: haven't noticed that. Um, I had noticed my crazy taxi driver who was... He was driving. He was driving 120 the whole way, and his his sorry to jump off off topic here, but his, his whatever it was, and the center console kept beeping, and then he would a fine would come up saying that he was fine for breaking the speed limit, and I, I really didn't know what was going on, but he was a madman driving. Sorry to interrupt.
0: Yeah, no, the the driving is also another interesting concept. Clearly, we drive on the different side as back in NZ, but it's pretty mental the driving, but again. It works a little bit. Um, I guess one of the positive changes that we've that we've really noticed is that we get to go to school together as a family. Um, in New Zealand, I was leaving before the kids were awake, so getting to go to school, seeing the kids at an event. If I need to pop out, I can watch them in their classroom, which is a really awesome thing and mm-hmm. something that's a massive positive change. Some of the kids for friendships for our own children has been difficult because they're not just with New Zealand kids anymore. They're so, like, to organise some of the play dates that would be simple in New Zealand. Sometimes they could be Muslim children, they could be Hindu. It's not just as easy to meet on a Friday afternoon or a weekend day as it is back home. So for our own children, that's been a little bit difficult at times. And what about your adjustment from
1: going I guess from secondary to primary as a teacher, what what's been the biggest adjustment in that sense as well? Just the children wanting to
0: tell you stuff. <laughs> um, and But what, like, what sort of
1: things do they tell you?
0: Oh just that their brother's got a cat at home and <laughs> um, but like simple instruction that we take for granted like back home, can you guys go and get, can you go get me those cones? Whereas you do that here, six kids will run off and it's a big fight. Or you're giving out equipment and I want the blue ball, not I want the red ball, and this is an argument. And it's like, it's a ball, but I have to then backtrack that they're five years old. They don't understand that. Yeah. yeah. So that's been a, a huge, huge adjustment. But at the same time, it's actually really funny. Yeah. And it makes you reflect a lot more and then actually have to change your instruction. Yeah. Am I talking too much? Moving back into that practice of demonstration and, and giving those i, I find myself because i've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a similar thing
1: you, you give a simple instruction and it ends up in those two rolling around the ground fighting each other and you you know you want to have high expectations of your kids but then you also need to reflect on uh, your approach to parenting and trying to uh, describe or give instructions in, in a different way so that's uh, that's really interesting I, i've Just on that, in New Zealand, so we've got this perception that primary schools are quite innovative and then they arrive at secondary and we tend to stifle all of that creativity and innovation with all the assessment that we're burning down with and stuff like that. Um, How innovative do you find the school you're teaching in and do you think students here would follow that same trend we see in New Zealand?
0: It's a long question, sorry. I, I found this question really interesting and, and when you said, like, in secondary we may have to stop that and I'm, it was actually made me think. I was like, do we have to stop that innovation and creativity or are we choosing to because we're not looking at different ways we can assess or different learning opportunities for our, for our students? So I kind of think that, and some schools in New Zealand at senior school are doing some really cool innovative and creative stuff and so... I think it still can be done.
1: Oh yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. Don't get me wrong. I, I um, in terms of, yeah, it's definitely a choice. But I, I think, I think, and you might be right. Um, I, you think you might be touching on this that with that choice, it, it just needs a bit of support and a bit of practice and the ability to actually go. Okay, well, hang on. I'm not going to be driven by assessment.
0: Yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, and like I, I just got. I'm just reading one of my notes here and the school support of the secondary needs to be there for yeah. that to happen yeah. and sometimes it's not always available but to go back to your sort of question so we're an IB school so if if you know that international bachelorette and we follow a PYP framework so it's a, it's a concept driven um, model with inquiry focus and then taking action from that so it is student-led teacher facilitator of learning kind of you know, so lots of the twenty first century skills that we're trying to embed in our learners should be done in this in this model. So, um, I don't, I don't, I think that it's, the innovation's there, the creativity is there at the a school like um, I do a lot of the ABL stuff that I did with my secondary students, and I still do it with a, a five or six year old class. and And some of the stuff that they come up with is is amazing compared to maybe my secondary students. At that of that same activity. So, what's what's quite an integral part of us is integration. So that you're integrating with a unit in the homeroom, classroom, and a PE, a music, or the arts, or a language. So that's something that's really cool and, and something that I are really good that I enjoy doing.
1: Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, the
0: ability to work with other learning areas, I think, is really cool, and
1: some of that inquiry-based learning. And and you and you're right. It's I I think it's easy for us as educators to go to be to accept the status quo that that there is all that emphasis on assessment. But I think we need to look past that, and I think we may need to make it. And and people are making a a conscious decision to um, foster some of this innovation and creativity, and avoid those pitfalls have been driven by assessment. But it's also, on the the other hand, it's so easy to fall into that trap. And I I guess you're right, the school needs to support it. There needs to be avenues where we can enhance the professional learning on on that sort of thing. Um, So I think you made some really good points there. So following on from that last question, and um, I I think you're going to be really well-placed to answer this, What what adjustments do you think we can make in secondary to embrace and foster the innovation and the curiosity and the excitement as these students come through our doors at Year 9. Because, you know, you, you, you're, you've you gone from senior to now your primary and you're seeing some of that, some of the good stuff and potentially the bad stuff.
0: Yeah, again, and, and we touched on it in it that last question, is that I think some schools are doing this and are doing an amazing job and, and been lucky enough to go to Penn's in July this year I saw that from some of the schools so that's you know again the school support is vital for that to to happen but um, I reckon having a themes based concepts based model and, and having those skills that are transferable throughout different learning areas and, and are taught in a collaborative way and again a lot of school models in New Zealand I know are, are leading towards that um, and, and just really integrating there but like I think Teachers need to accept and encourage that there are multiple ways that we can learn and move away from them being the holder of the knowledge um, involving the students and creating the learning tasks, the learning intentions, the assessment activities. And, and for me, just get rid of Level 1 NCA. I don't think it needs to be done. I'm oh, sure so I'll upset a few people there. but
1: uh, I think you'd be surprised. Um, you know, I, I like hearing about the schools that are doing it and you know giving a year for a student to learn how to learn and just explore and be curious I think it's so much potential
0: yeah and like just if students have ideas as as a teacher or a department or a school try not to say no but creating that learning together and and those so those pathways can occur you know so yeah. yeah,
1: the de-siloing, the thematic-based learning, uh, it's all its all really exciting stuff, and it's good to see that more and more schools um, are picking it up. But I, I'd really like to see some of these traditional schools just be a, a little bit more open to that type of learning and provide the support. You can't do it without providing the support. And, you know, often it gets lumped on two or three people to try to get some traction, yep. and you just can't you can't do that. It needs to be mandated. It needs to be full support from, from the board
0: and the principal. And from the the community of yep. parents or caregivers, yep. you know. Yep, you're right. It's, it's massive you're as right.
1: well. So from a, sticking with that theme theme approach, um, from a curriculum perspective, what sort of content or themes have you found yourself teaching since you've been over here that will be quite removed from a New Zealand perspective?
0: I guess in PE, it's, in a PE teaching context, it's not really too different with the actual I hate to say content, but like the themes, you know, it's invasion games, it's adventure-based learning. um, Those sort of things are very similar. Um, What we need to consider over here is a lot is some of the cultural considerations. So um, around Christmas and Easter, they're not celebrated here, so being mindful of that. Um, Some of the gender split with some of the activities in PE, like swimming. They have to be single sex class. Uh, girls are not allowed to dance in front of boys. So if you were doing a movement composition unit, you need to be wary of that sort of stuff. So
1: are you allowed to teach swimming? Are you allowed to teach females how to
0: swim? Not from year three upwards. So wow. maybe eight years old. So that's massive implications for table. Wow. But female staff are allowed to teach the boys. Is that, is that like some?
1: That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense
0: to me, and maybe that goes back to what we'd consider common sense. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's uh, a ground blanket rule Mm -hmm. everywhere, but in our school, in our emirate, that's how it rolls. So in saying that, I I notice uh, some of the celebrations that the UAE do are epic, like when they have their national day, which would be like our Waitangi Day, for example. is cool, like everyone... Everyone just gets into it. The streets are decorated. It's it's really cool, um, and then they have Flag Day and and things like that are, are really sacred to to the local people and something that we could learn from, I believe. So, yeah. um, I guess there's a question around is it is it quite removed? Not so much that, um, but that just part, some of those some common of the, sense yeah, things. common sense things and and maybe the being aware of the cultural limitations that we're under. So.
1: Yeah, so we, obviously that cultural aspect is massive and living in a society like this and even I've been here maybe or not quite 48 hours yet um, and I'm seeing it firsthand just how the culture impacts your, your day-to-day living. So how have you found that it's impacted your day-to-day living since you've been
0: here? I guess the, the question... We kind, of, kind of touched on it a little bit. We but have, yeah, and, and I'm sure I've said it previously myself and my wife we often say to each other when we get annoyed by something because did anyone force us to come here no and and we have to put that at our at our forefront so we've made the choice to come here um again there'll be things that we don't agree with but we accept them um but there's also things that we learn from and that we could take back home as well so just like anywhere that you'll go around the world you respect the customs and the cultures you're in and and here, I guess, there's just some real non-negotiables that you, you follow, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, and, and it's important that we, we continue to, to value people as people and, and really install those values with our children. As you may have noticed, there's, there's a lot of immigrant labor here and there seems to be a job for everyone. So, again, you may disagree or agree with that, but just ensuring that, you know, people are people and, and that we that you just be nice to people. So one of the things that I've, I've sort of struggled with a little bit is, is a class system they have in the UAE. Um, and, and some of the things that I've seen there are sometimes difficult to, to process. And yeah, I'm glad we don't have that mm. in New Zealand or as visible as it is here. It may exist in New Zealand, it's not, yeah.
1: As, as visible as it is, here that class system there's also less crime right and you say there's a job for everybody but not necessarily a good thing is it well
0: it's well that's when my, my, my mum came over in february and we sort of talked about this and how there seems to be a job for everyone and she's like well the positive of that is it is creating jobs um
1: homelessness you just yeah, don't see, you don't see it
0: um the the Emirati people can be quite, uh, very generous, you know, they're, they're into giving and stuff like that and that's part of their culture. We don't lock our house at home, we don't lock the car. Uh, there, there is no crime. <laughs>
1: okay, hang on, at what point, alright, this is this is really interesting to me, at what point do you go, oh I'm just not going to lock the car anymore, oh, I'm not going to bother about the house? Like, when you grow up in a system where you have to lock those things, when at what point, how long did it take for you to change?
0: Well. I don't know, I wasn't... I'm from the country a little bit, so okay, at times okay. we also yep. didn't do that. Hey, I could be stupid here by not <laughs> doing that, but we you don't have to, like, yeah. um, I guess, yeah, you don't see crime, there's never violence, you know, like I often read the papers back in New Zealand online, and it's it's shocking, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that those times I'm not... that's not exposed to my children or yeah. to ourselves, you know, so, so that's a, a really... Yeah. A visible thing that we, like,
1: we, um, we did a bit of reading before we came because I've brought my wife here with me. And she's actually, we've had day one of the conference today, she's been out shopping. And we so we did some reading, and it was about what she had to wear and all of that. But we went to the shops yesterday or the malls, and it seems like some people follow it, some people don't. It was really interesting. And before I left, I, I, I spoke with a colleague, and he said, Look, it's and you've, you've alluded to it a little bit, it's, it's culture, you should respect it. But if you don't respect some of the, maybe definitely not. These obviously your non-negotiables, but some of those other ones about wearing a singlet or covering shoulders, like it seems some people do and some people don't, and we were quite surprised by that. But um, I think you it's being respectful. You're in somebody else's culture, somebody else's country, and I think as Kiwis,
0: we we could we probably do that well, yeah. and I think that's good. Like this is something that's really important for my wife and. We're we're sort of an hour from Dubai, and sort of more of a country emirate of the UAE, and and she will always follow those those guidelines. Um, like she's sort of conscious that if she bumped into a, a mother of one of the children, you yeah. know, that that is disrespectful for them. And and again, come back, we've made the choice. So you will notice in Dubai, there's a lot less Arab people around that are visible in in the areas that mm-hmm. you will go to as a tourist. Mm-hmm. So you will see the people and. Yeah different dress code yeah. than yeah, whereas us so that is something that she will always follow which yeah. I respect her for that Yeah, you know? for sure
1: so what advice thinking about your experiences and, and the build up to you making this transition um, myself I've considered it in the past and had a look and started part of the process um, haven't quite pursued it any further but what advice do you have that could help a Kiwi teacher start this process of seeking out work opportunities in a country like the UAE
0: um, I think you've got to write down what you want to achieve from, from doing it, is it exposure to a new culture, is it financial, is it just travel, what are your reasons? Um, you've then got to go and, and do your research, what curriculum will it be, what's the makeup of the students, um, there's so many variables, is it just you travelling, is it your family, you, you and your wife or partner. You need to be 100% committed, both of you, because if one of them is a little bit hesitant, I would suggest don't do it. Um, if you've got children, again, your your things that you're looking for, again, are a different. Um, just do your research. Talk to as many people as you know that have done it previously. And, um, yeah. the, and then the main thing is when you get there, you just need to be so open-minded and, and <laughs> flexible. Like... You, you have bad days at home, uh, when you have bad days here, they're bad days because you often don't have that family support or your mates, however, in saying that, when you get here your new mates become your family and a lot of the time the housing you put up with, you're in each other's pockets and again can be a good thing or mm-hmm. and you know we've only been away sort of 15 months but we've made lifelong mates already through that so accepting that things are going to be different. Um, with every aspect and again some of them will be good different some of them will be but just yeah and, and just investigate recruitment agencies that's what we did we went through there and, and just make that list um, that would be my advice and I'm happy to answer any questions if people are interested but yeah I'll
1: put your details in the show notes because I'm sure there will be people and um, definitely speaking with some of the delegates here it's, it's, a, it's a really um, it's a worthwhile opportunity to pursue I think um, just for some of that experience and some of those you know there's that financials and stuff like that but there's the culture and experience all of that it's, it's really cool so um, yeah get in touch with Greg if you do have any questions or you want to investigate that a little bit further but final final question which is going to be a double barrel one what do you miss most about Aotearoa and do you think you'll be back
0: um, Like my, myself and my wife we often we sit down and we, we we discuss are we doing the right thing by our children being over here and, and it's a question that maybe once a month we'll talk about and I guess that sometimes it comes up a lot more when we're having a bad time as opposed to when we're having the good times and, and we've made it an effort and it was one of our vows that we need to celebrate the good things in our life and try and put the things that we can't control to the back you know so like uh, are our children missing out on things of course they're missing out on things but now what they're exposed to what they can see like is amazing and they wouldn't get those at home so it's trying to find the balance about that um we we miss our we miss our family and friends and and especially the grandparents for the kids you know that's that's one of the massive things but we've been fortunate that both of them have come over and and we're really we're really grateful for that but uh just some of the simplicity of New Zealand people and things that are just easy like it comes back to that common sense it's, we really miss that but in saying that yeah there's lots of cool things about living here mm-hmm. um, I guess the main things that I miss is Baker's Delight Bread or <laughs> <laughs> some coffee from baristas that want to make that coffee yeah. um, reasonably priced Pinot Noir, red wine it's so expensive here to get a good nice bottle of that and, and I'm just going to pack and save, it was like easy and my favorite place but <laughs> in saying that man' there's, there's so many uh, so many good things about here and the last part of your question so we're we, we, our contracts to June next year so we will, we will honor that and then um, we're going to keep our options open yep. hoping to continue teaching internationally yep. if that's in the UAE or somewhere else in the world we'll do that. Um, but if not and we can't find a, a school or a country or a fit that's right for us we, we, will, we will go back home nice nice.
1: hey Greg just want to um, thank you for taking the time to have a chat it was I mean it's I think this is the first international um, interview I've given so it's really cool it's cool to come over here and meet up with you I know we met at Penn's earlier um, it sounds like you're doing some amazing things and experiencing a lot sounds like you've got um, a fantastic and supportive wife Um, I've always wondered what it would be like to have I do have a supportive wife but a (laughs) wife that's a teacher I think that'd be so cool you know you you get holidays together although I'm sure at some points you wish that you didn't have all this <laughs> but, um, no it sounds like you've, you've got a really strong family unit which I think is really important if you were going to do a move like this so um, yeah we really do appreciate you taking the time and I hope the remainder of your contract goes well and yeah I'll, actually one thing I'll add surprisingly I had quite a few people request this interview believe it or not so a few people saying when are you going to interview Greg so um, hopefully um, some of those listeners hear this but uh, well done, you do, you do good, and um, yeah, it was awesome catching up with you.
0: Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity, Carl. It was awesome to have a chat, mate, and to hear a familiar Kiwi voice. It was <laughs> is pretty awesome, and, and just the easy nature of it. And yeah, thank you and hello to lots of uh, the people in NZ that hopefully will listen to this. Uh, they know who they are, and yeah, we'll catch up next time. We're back in New Zealand. Cheers, mate. Thanks.